Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists where we talk about the things that are going on in the world, the things that happen in our practices, things that relate to therapists and the clients that we see. And we are diving in today on self-diagnostics and whether they're real or not and kind of the (laughs) influence of things and is this helpful or harmful to our profession and we anticipate that exactly zero percent of people will agree with the entirety of this episode (laughs) including (laughs) us so katie where do you want to dive in on this Well, I think we should start with what's happening. I have had a lot of folks come into my practice, clients of folks who are already in mental health treatment, who say on TikTok, I am looking and I think I have ADHD or I think I have X. Uh, Yes, the the bastion of deep research and showing nuance fully TikTok. TikTok, yes. And... What I've done in those situations is try to identify with them what content resonated and explored with it. And actually, some of the folks who've come up with this, I've I've sent them on to more intensive testing because my differential was ADHD or trauma. I went the trauma route. And for one, yeah, it was trauma. For the other one, it was like, maybe ADHD, but yeah, trauma. So I think it's something where I'm I'm seeing a lot of folks taking to the interwebs and getting a lot of content served up to them. The algorithms are serving them the same content or related content over and over again, and it's becoming fodder for political exploration. But I think I'm also seeing it with friends, colleagues, family members who are looking at these things going, is this me? And there's some folks that are like, oh, there's this one thing, so that must mean it's true. And then on the other end, there's folks who say, Ooh, that's interesting. And then do, you know, binders full of research and then actually go for formal diagnosis and everything in between. And so it's an interesting phenomenon. I worry about some of the folks that are self-identifying with one or two things that resonate. And so I want to dig into kind of the, how, to, how to safely engage with all of this, but also what it means for therapists and what therapists can do. Because it feels like you know, it used to be Dr. Google and, you know, WebMD and all that stuff. And that's still happening. But now it's even tinier little pits of content and it's un- it's unvetted content creators. So, Well, it's, it's the TikTok medical school and the <laughs> PhD program of Google and WebMD. And 
you know, all the things instead of differential diagnostics, it's differential hashtags. Yes. You have to figure out which hashtag you want to follow to depending on how you're feeling that day. I think that we have to start this with the point of what is a diagnosis? Yes. Yes. What do you think a diagnosis is? Well, this is not something that's particularly new and maybe kind of one of the first things of my remembrance back from my undergrad studies is about the Rosenhan experiment where people faked having hallucinations and tried to get admitted to psychiatric hospitals and by and large were <laughs> and <laughs> were given antipsychotic medications and wow it will include some background link to this but this was done back in the early 70s by a Stanford professor named David Rosenhan and was largely kind of done to look at how resolutes our psychiatric diagnostics at first. And it created a big stir in the field as far as like, are clinicians actually good at identifying when people are faking mental illnesses in the first place? So that's malingering. That's just putting together a whole that, bunch that of was symptoms. Science. That was, was science. science. There was an IRB <laughs> that made it science. I, I get that. I get it with science, but I'm saying that is malingering. That is someone faking symptoms to claim a diagnosis and get that diagnosis. If it's not sanctioned by science, then yes, you are correct. All that right. is what right. we call people who are exaggerating symptoms and need clinical treatment for them. Okay, so that's that's an element of it. So the assessors may not know if we're faking it. But I want to go even further back to what is diagnosis. I mean, diagnosing has shifted. Like, criteria has been rewritten even as recently as earlier this year. (laughs) The way I see diagnosis is that it's a construct. It's putting together something where it's labeling folks that seem to fall together with similar symptoms, and the medical model says that's a real thing. And then we can do treatments or prescribe medication for it. Or I guess I can't prescribe medication for it. Someone could prescribe medication for it. And so to me, some of this self-diagnosis stuff is almost colluding with this medical model that's saying, if you have a couple of these things over here and a couple of those things over here, then you have this label. This label is a real thing. And that that blows my mind because I think a lot of folks in the self-diagnosis realm are trying to kind of push up against the establishment, but they're lending credence to this idea that diagnosis is a real concrete thing versus a tool to help with treatment planning and to understanding us better. Yeah, everything that you just said. (laughs) Well, I mean, and it's hard because then folks really tie their identity to some of these things. And you know, that's a whole other conversation about what is identity and what is something to heal. But I think there's this element of being able to get our minds around what it is we're trying to do here as clinicians, but also as a society when folks are going to TikTok and determining that they're autistic or determining that they're ADHD or that they're bipolar or that they have Tourette's or or whatever it is. Like to me, it seems like there's these fad diagnoses And some folks are malingering, like your experiment, which I guess wasn't malingering because it was in the name of science. But some folks are getting more like a factitious disorder where they're taking it in 
and believing it's true. And there, there are symptoms that are coming up that are just part of an anxiety response to what they're engaging in. At least that's how I understand it. How do you understand it? Adding to what you're talking about as far as diagnostics here is the reason for categorizing these kinds of symptoms or presentations is yeah. to have a treatment. And largely it ties back to the funding for treatment in order to improve those conditions. Yes. And part of what you're describing here is when people make these conditions as a piece of their identity and consider it to be a destination rather than a description of where they are at at the time. Yes. And there are some conditions in our DSM that acknowledged as a field are things that are temporary and treatable. And there are some things in there that are considered to be more permanent and more fixed. And I don't think that we're going to have a universal, here's where everything lies on this. This is where nuance is really going to be an important piece of this discussion because I have met people who have met several other clinicians before who have missed diagnostics that show up as presentations and have started out from people doing, as you described earlier, binders and binders or in any of the last 20 years, pages and pages of web research yes. rather than printing things out, but have done a lot of good deep research. I've also seen a number of clients who show up into my practice who believe that they have something because of TikTok medical school and yeah. do not have the origins, do not have the descriptions of this, but have started to formulate their identity around what is trendy online. Yeah. And it's incredibly important to parse out that both of these can exist and that self-diagnostics are not a universal pathway of what is happening in our offices as either being entirely good or entirely bad, but it takes the patients to be able to go through a good diagnostic evaluation process in order to parse out what is an actual diagnosis that is actually recognized and actually has treatments for it versus something that is sought out as an identity. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Well, and even if it's not sought out as an identity, in some of the articles I was reading preparing for this episode, there are folks who are framing their whole experience 
within the diagnosis they got on TikTok. And so like your malingering experiment, they are framing everything with that language, with those symptoms. And so it can be, it can collude with the TikTok stuff that they had where they're, they're presenting with almost a fully formed diagnosis and providing the information for the clinician to co-sign on it. And I worry about it. I think when we're able to do really good testing or when we're able to really sort out what it is they're resonating with and help to identify some of the more tricky differentials that folks may not be aware of because they're not clinicians, they've not been trained, I think it's good. I think that there are psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists who are missing stuff. And there certainly is an underdiagnosis of a lot of things, especially in women. However, many clinicians can help folks sort this out if someone comes to their therapist, to a new practitioner with an open mind versus this is what I have. Please confirm this. And then the other end of that is clinicians that are so willing to accept everything that clients present as fact that they become enabling. Sure. And it encourages therapist shopping in order to finally achieve the diagnosis that affirms one's identity in this case or or seeking out that stamp of approval from somebody in a professional standpoint that, you know, how many clients just show up to an office and are like, yeah, I have this diagnosis that isn't really followed up on, well, where did you get the diagnosis? How did you come to this conclusion that I think ends up happening, that ends up reinforcing this in particularly agencies or funding programs, these kinds of presenting clients end up taking up funding from clients who actually meet these diagnostics. They take up the appointment slots. Yeah. And and that is problematic to our field. It can set unrealistic expectations as far as what treatment is for people. It can set unrealistic expectations as far as what the diagnostic criteria actually are. And I see this as something where All of us recognize that there are certain features of certain diagnostics that do not appear in the DSM checklists. However, when we have even clinicians going out into social media and creating little 30-second videos of, here's three common things that just about everybody has that are symptoms of ADHD that helps the general public who doesn't have the same background information of us be like, oh, one of the three things that you listed is having nostrils. I have nostrils. That must mean I have ADHD. Well, I think I want to get a little less, you know, kind of silly about it. I'm actually worried about all the TikTok ADHD diagnoses because a lot of them are talking about distractibility, impulsivity, talking about, you know, a lot of the mood dysregulation that can come along with ADHD. But our whole society went through a trauma, and those are also symptoms of trauma. They are also symptoms of unrest, lack of stability, all of these things where folks are like, oh my gosh, I must have ADHD because I can't remember things, or I'm having a really hard time. It's like, that's also grief. I mean, there's so much overlap. There's so much, so much of a differential diagnosis that's required if we really have to get down to diagnosis 
versus trying to do some of the healing work we can do in therapy to see what actually sticks after we get you some more coping strategies, after we help you with the, the situation that you're in. Somebody was like, I was deeply, deeply depressed and I thought I had OCD. And in fact, once I got back to school in person, all of my symptoms went away. <laughs> I mean, it's it's something where there's there's so much situational things that are happening right now, and so many of these symptoms go across so many diagnoses that it's hard to sort through it. And when folks are paying attention to these diagnoses from the TikTok content creators, I think the problem is they can go to the wrong treatments. They can start doing huge amounts of exercise and you know moving around a lot and doing a whole bunch of stuff and figure out that they have anxiety and they're actually spiking their adrenaline all the time. Or they can try to really relax and, and calm down and figure out later that they had agitated depression and they're just making it worse. I mean, it's, it's something where there's these things that we actually need folks with expertise to try to help when the situation is truly dire versus going to TikTok or Google or other social media platforms and saying, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing something for my health because I'm following what the TikTok person says. And that's further exacerbated by the people who don't actually have any of these symptoms at all. They see mm -hmm. things that are trending and then they start to adopt some of these characteristics in order to <laughs> get a bigger following to fit in with an online crowd to get more likes, more views, more comments. And to the point of having a professional be able to properly evaluate is looking through that more nuanced clinical eye in order to look at where the threshold is that actually meets diagnostic versus actually just having some characteristics in common with it. Sure. Somebody can be nervous does not mean that they have anxiety. Yeah. Well, and everybody is anxious sometimes. And so there's also this kind of what is clinical and what's subclinical. Well, and beyond that, what's pathologizing normal feelings? Yeah. Yeah. And where I see this in particular is things like Tourette syndrome, where people who are clinicians who are familiar with what Tourette's syndrome is can look at some of these content creators and recognize that what is being done is being faked. Mm. It is something that diminishes the diagnosis for those who actually have it. Yeah. And what that does for the individuals, it makes them look like a fool to the clinician. But what it does is it potentially creates something to emulate for other people who don't have that diagnosis. And we're not, you know, jumping out and diagnosing people on TikTok with things. No. But when we have the followers of the followers starting to show up into our office, when we have more and more people who are actually even legitimately being called out online of you're faking this disorder, it diminishes the credibility of those who actually do. And it makes it something where it raises the question of, is this somebody who's actually legitimately in need of treatment? It makes you know us as a profession potentially at risk for having the bias of minimizing people who are actually coming in with legitimate complaints. Well, and I think that's, that's kind of a cyclical thing that I think started the whole thing, which is clinicians under-diagnosing, undervaluing client feedback, not asking all the right questions, 
And so folks are feeling dissatisfied with what we're doing and heading to the interweb to understand better what it is that's going on. I know I do that for medical stuff when I have a doctor that doesn't listen to me. I have one right now and he's pissing me off. (laughs) And so I'm going in and I'm talking to my other doctors and I'm going to Dr. Google to figure out what might be wrong. And so to me, I can understand the impulse and there's so much information out there. And some of it is legitimately really good information that has spurred great conversations with my clients, has helped me to identify some things that I can explore with my own therapist. There is really good content. It's just there's not a clear way to vet the content. And when folks come to our offices, there's some of us that have no idea, not on TikTok at all, and we're just trying to figure out what's being presented. But there's some folks that think they know better than us. They don't take in client experience. And so there's, again, speaking to nuance, clinicians need to do better at listening to their clients and believing their clients' experience. But I think there's also that element of, Clients need to somehow be more critical thinkers about what it is that they're taking in. But I just went back on TikTok for a minute to prepare for this episode. And it just, is just... just for everybody at home who can't see Katie, she just put her face into her hands as she was saying yeah. that she went back on And it TikTok. was just this wash of information. And I, I specifically went to mental health TikTok and it was just thing after thing after thing after thing. And it was so overwhelming. And it was, you know, there were some people that I could tell were therapists. Some people were clearly, quote unquote, mental health influencers that are sitting there and crying all the time. I was like, how does anybody sit through this? This is way, way too overwhelming. And so I think to me, if we as clinicians are not aware of it, it's a problem. If we're not able to actually meet our clients where they are, it's also a problem because there's another place to go to get information that might resonate more with them than what we're telling them, especially if we haven't listened to their whole story. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I've had people show up in my office and I'll change details here. So that way, but I've had people show up in my office with, and these are particularly teenagers Mm -hmm. with the idea that they have diagnosis X. Yes. And all evidence is pointing to that millennials especially younger millennials went to YouTube for a lot of being able to get more information about stuff. But more and more of the older Gen Z's are going to places like TikTok and Instagram for their information. Yeah. And the more often that we go to shorter form content in order to get, whether it's colloquial or professional information, the more that gets skipped over. And the more that things have to be presented for views, because when you are searching hashtag mental health influencers or whatever it is that you were doing on TikTok. It was actually hashtag mental health TikTok. (laughs) I stand corrected. (laughs) But whenever you go to those kinds of environments, it loses out on a lot of specifics that make something either a clinically treatable 
thing, an actual diagnosis, something that's diagnosable for reimbursement. And, you know, just flat out taking clients' words of, I saw this thing should be a starting point of the evaluative process, not the factual point of where things go. And this is, as you're speaking to, working collaboratively with your clients, not enabling, not, you know, denying them. Because I have had those clients who come in with, I have thing X, as you've pointed out earlier in the episode, because Mm of X, Y, and Z. Okay, when did it start? Oh, last year. Okay, that's not necessarily this thing that gets diagnosed in childhood and has years and years of symptoms present. And I've been met with, well, that's because I've been masking all of these years. Yeah. Well, let's get into developmental history. Let's get parents in. Let's get academic reports in where some of these things would have shown up that are, as you've pointed out earlier, things that are environmentally situated, not necessarily things that are diagnostics that we would expect across a lifetime. Well, and I think what ends up happening, at least the way I understand it from what I've read, my experience on TikTok, as well as the conversations I've had with clients, is the algorithms are such that the content that you land on longest, you get served more of that stuff and your for you page kind of reflects what you've been most interested in. But what I was seeing is that when you get further and further into a more specific hashtag or a specific kind of area, whether it's autism, ADHD, depression, anxiety, bipolar, whatever it is, you get more and more content that's served up to you. And what I even find myself doing, which I think it's human nature, but even though I know... what diagnoses look like. I've diagnosed other people. I am well aware. But you go into this confirmatory bias because it's like, ooh, I have that. I have three of five there. Okay. I have four of five here. I've got two of seven here. But look at all of these things that I have that fit into this diagnosis. I must have it. And so it keeps serving it up and serving it up. And you're constantly getting reinforced that you have these things because some of them are truly like the horoscope things like, yeah, you might, if you're overwhelmed a lot or if you feel really sensitive, but it's something where over time it can feel like there's nothing else this could be. And so, you know, whether it's the masking and determining like, have I masked for my whole life or some of these other pieces, not only is it hard for, for folks to then sort it out, you know, to actually get to a true diagnosis and a, and a true diagnostic process, but it's truly very painful. I mean, the, to consider I've masked my whole life. I have this thing. It has been painful for me to not display all of these other things. I'm exhausted. And so it becomes like, who am I? It's this whole identity crisis. It can be all these things. And it's very, very painful to go through. And the challenge is if you don't then go forward with an actual clinical collaborative process, you're stuck in this swirl of all this content that is reinforcing you have this thing and that you've masked and that you're in pain and that society is bad. (laughs) So I think it's something where it would be interesting to find out, and I don't know that there's any way to, to do it, like how many folks from self diagnosis through TikTok or or some other social media internet space 
come in and their their diagnosis is confirmed versus denied. And by a credible affirming clinician, not a clinician that is either, as you were saying it, you know, kind of colluding with the pathology and or a clinician that just discounts whatever clients say and have their own, you know, kind of pet diagnosis that they give everybody. Because I don't know what that percentage would be, honestly, because I think there's some use here. I just don't know how much is useful and how much is dangerous. For those clients who do end up in our office, one of the strategies that I've found to be most effective is asking clients to show me their research, that being able to help validate that they have concerns and being able to help walk them through what is good research to look at and what is just kind of content for fodder Mm -hmm. allows for us to be able to have a more professional level conversation where clients feel they are taken seriously, even if we end up in different conclusions at the end of a session or several sessions that helps to address what it is that they're presenting with. I'm wary to encourage more content, even by professionals out there, because we're we're biased too. Yeah, I look at you know going back to our psychopathology classes in grad school, how everybody thought that every single diagnostic fit them at some point in their life as they were first just learning about it, and that was in our formal education towards being able to identify and test people for these things as professionals. We as humans have an innate desire to fit within patterns that are being described. As professionals, it's our job to recognize where that's just kind of the personality of trying to fit into a description of self, but it is our limits of being able to have to hold some sort of professional line of what's actually diagnosable or not. Well, and I think the biggest piece, and and this is something that I just, it's kind of more of a balanced piece for me anyway, because I've been pretty adamant about the harm. I think it's something where as a profession, the more we can listen to our clients and understand them, the, the less that they will feel like they're being invalidated and that they need to find whether it's clinician shopping or whatever, that they can find the treatment or the support or the self-understanding and awareness that they need to feel healthier, happier, stronger, more connected to the people around them. I think it's something where this is in some ways a good problem to have because it is a lot more awareness. There are a lot more folks who are understanding mental health to at least some extent. I think the challenge is when it becomes so simplified to fit into these tiny little videos and when it's being produced for likes it gets modified to the point where not everything is helpful and some things are actually harmful but i've seen some really really great videos that have been extremely empowering and helpful and informative it's just really hard to sort through them and so i think for folks to be very careful to be very thoughtful and to check their own response to what they're experiencing and find someone they can trust to really talk through. Do you see this in me? I mean, I've, for my own self-diagnosis process, I've, I've talked to you. I've talked to my friends. I've talked to other people like, have you seen this in me? What do you think about that? And it helps to get to a place of understanding 
oh, maybe there's some of these things that are here. Maybe some of those things, those coping skills or the empowerment statements are helpful for me, but the diagnosis may not be. It may just, let's take the good stuff (laughs) of empowerment, lack of bias and stigma and all the other pieces and create a more healthy society without having to worry about all these labels. I'm sure that you're looking for places to share your thoughts and that <laughs> can be done on our social media. You can contact us. You can find our references over at mtsgpodcast.com. We'll also include our show notes and transcription over there. If you want to support us, please consider becoming a patron or supporting us on Buy Me a Coffee. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whitham with Katie Vernoy. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.